You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Star Wars fans, you're listening to the 22nd episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for everything related to Star Wars Episode 7, as well as some stuff on Rebels and Clone Wars bonus content and video games and all kinds of exciting new projects in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How you doing, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? I'm on a Star Wars Rebels high right now, so... <laughs> That means I'm doing great. I can't wait to start talking about all that stuff. It's gonna be yeah, fun. yeah, we have a lot to cover today, and uh, like you said, a lot of good Rebels news. Um, as we said in our last episode, we were waiting to do another episode after New York Comic Con and the big Rebels panel that was yesterday. We're recording this Sunday evening, and so the Rebels panel was just yesterday morning. And if you follow us on Twitter, you probably saw Tim tweeting out a lot of good info um, and we've also uh, gotten a few other things, uh, some really good Clone Wars news that we got right before that, and some other, um, you know, small Episode 7 rumors and things like that that we've been getting at a pretty frequent pace nowadays. So, uh, yeah, let's start off with the uh, Episode 7 stuff like we usually do and just run down the casting rumors, and then we'll get into the meat of the uh, Star Wars animation. Yeah, so first off, regarding the new Episode 7 rumors, um, the first one to talk about is that earlier in the week on October 9th, Jedi News posted a story about some rumored dates that we should uh, keep on the lookout for where we might actually hear some official announcements regarding uh, some casting for Episode 7. Um, their report is saying that October 23rd might be the date where we will see the first official like major Episode 7 casting announcements. And they kind of listed some reasons as why that might be the date or maybe around that time anyway. They're saying that they want to have it during that week, so they can have enough time to not let the big Star Wars announcements get in the way of their marketing or hype for the new Thor movie that's coming out. Oh, I believe it's like a, should be two weeks after that on November 8th. And they also mentioned an Apple announcement that's coming on the 22nd that might uh, cause some like media attention away from that. So they're trying to find the perfect time to when to officially announce this. So October 23rd might be that date, according to Jedi News. Right. And it actually and- even said, too, that it could be actually held back so that Harrison Ford might not, so he doesn't have to kind of answer all those questions as he's doing his uh, press tour for uh, Ender's Game. So that was one rumor that they cited. So maybe the reason why October 23rd might be the official date. So if that is ends up being true, that would be great because it's October 23rd is right around the corner. And this is around the time where we're kind of expecting something to be officially announced as the year is kind of winding down and we're almost into 2014. So it does make sense. I'm really hoping it is true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to mention that too, what you said about uh, Harrison Ford there at the end that, you know, they, they want to get it out before Thor so they don't kind of clash with the press for that movie, but also they've been kind of holding back to, you know, not have Harrison be swamped with star Wars questions while he's out doing other stuff. But, um, yeah, I I mean, hopefully, um, 
about the Harrison Ford thing, you think maybe they'd want to announce it before. So instead of asking, are you going to be in it and dodging the question, maybe it would be easier for him just to say, like kind of say, yeah, I'm in it. Can't really talk much about it, but I am in it. (laughs) True. But I think at this point he's been asked enough times, are you going to be in it? And sort of given his, you know, coy responses that uh, I I think he would get a lot more questions about it if he were officially confirmed to be in it. Because at this point, pretty much all anybody can ask him is, are you going to be in it? And sort of, you know, what do you think of J.J. Abrams taking over the project and sort of your thoughts on the next generation and all this kind of stuff. But, of course, you get a whole floodgate opened up of new questions if he's definitely going to be in it. Things like, well, how are you going to prepare for the role and when are you going to start shooting and how does it feel to be back with the old you know, the old cast and all this kind of stuff. So it would lead to a a whole bunch more questions, even though at this point, everybody still wants to ask him if he's going to be in it. And uh, actually, you know, kind of going along with this, we had, uh, there's a video, it's a clip from the Graham Norton show, which is a BBC talk show um, in the UK, kind of like what we have here with, you know, Jimmy Fallon or David Letterman or any of those guys. And uh, he had uh, both Harrison Ford and Benedict Cumberbatch on the show and we've got a link to this video on our Twitter page, and you know I've seen it kind of making its rounds on the internet, so you, it's pretty easy to find out there. But you know, it's just a two-minute clip, and he's got them both sitting there, and he kind of pops a big Star Wars question and says, you know, both of you guys have kind of been linked to this. And at this point, he's uh, he, you know kind of going along with the thing where a lot of people seem to just be assuming at this point that Harrison and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are coming back, and so he kind of asks Harrison Ford. You know, are you coming back? Like, you're coming back, right? And just kind of, I don't know, was kind of pushing him about it. And, of course, Harrison Ford is being his normal mumbly self and pretends he don't know, doesn't know what anybody's talking about. And it's, it's pretty funny to watch. And then uh, also, if you're a big Benedict Cumberbatch fan, somebody else in the video uh, mentions Chewbacca and Benedict Cumberbatch briefly makes a Chewbacca noise, which some people in the YouTube comments seem pretty excited about. So... Um, that's that's a fun video to check out and although Harrison Ford does actually mention something about he he says kind of towards the end of the video um, I think Graham asks him like so where are Han Solo and Princess Leia at at this point like are they just like a retired old married couple and Harrison says something like well that's why I haven't actually made my decision yet or something like that and so I was thinking like well you know is he just playing coy about this and he really is in it or has he really not kind of made his final decision yet and uh, there was another casting rumor a couple of weeks ago that we forgot to mention on our last show, but I actually found this on Yahoo.com, um, and they were saying that Daniel Day-Lewis has sort of been, you know, just his name's kind of been thrown around, not necessarily because he, like, went in for an, aud- for an audition or something like that, but um, I think it was just, like, somebody spotted him having lunch with George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy, and the rumors kind of started flying from there. But what was interesting is when I first heard that rumor, I was like, you know, if he were in Star Wars, for some for some reason, the first thought that popped into my head was uh, Daniel Day-Lewis playing an old Han Solo if Harrison Ford doesn't come back for the role. And, uh, I mean, they don't necessarily look totally alike or anything like that. But for some reason, that was just the first thing that popped into my mind as a role that I could see him in. So I wonder if they were maybe looking for a backup just in case Harrison decided not to commit. Or, of course, you know, Daniel Lewis is a great actor and he could play any number of roles in Star Wars. So, I mean, it would be kind of cool to see him in there, too. 
But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, just sort of maybe some speculation on my part, but, um, I, you know, we don't know if kind of what's going on with the actors and, uh, if Harrison Ford is actually committed to it or not. So yeah, hopefully those rumored dates of, you know, October 23rd or something like that, when we'll actually get some official casting news, hopefully that stuff is pretty, uh, close to accurate and we'll be getting something fairly soon here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just going back to what you were saying about the Daniel Day-Lewis thing, I just, it would be a pretty bold thing to do to recast Han Solo with someone else. I mean, can you just imagine the reaction and press that would get? He's like, I just don't think Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy or J.J. Abrams would actually do that, but it'd be pretty bold and kind of just make you think, what if that actually happened? Like, could you, could they actually make it work? But I don't know. When you said that, it just got me really thinking, like, man, was that is that even a possibility? Like, would they actually consider that amongst themselves? It's just crazy to think about someone else playing, like, Han Solo. I know there's rumors about the younger Han Solo movie, but to do a movie where it's taking place uh, now or is, where he's, he's going to be older just uh, makes you think if they would even ever consider that. But, yeah, yeah like well, you said, hopefully this will all be put to rest soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at this point, I mean, I'm sure they're probably done with the script by now or close yeah, to done. And so it kind of depends on where they want to go with the story. And, um, you know, if, if they have Han Solo written into the story and then Harrison Ford decides not to be in it, well, then pretty much the only options you have are to write his part out of the movie or recast it. You can't like completely rewrite the script at this point to set it, in a later time period where Han and Luke and Leia aren't in it. And I think it does seem pretty likely that Harrison Ford or that uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are both going to be back. So, and there's been rumors going around about them having, you know, personal trainers and stuff to get back in shape for the movie and all this kind of stuff. And Carrie Fisher keeps saying she is going to be in it. And then her reps have keep having to deny it and say, no, no, it's not official yet. And blah, blah, blah. so, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's hard to see them recasting Han Solo because Harrison Ford is so iconic in that role. And at the same time, even if he decides not to do it, it's hard to see them making an episode seven with Luke and Leia and not Han. So it's like, yeah. would they write him out of it? Would they recast it? I don't know. I really hope Harrison Ford decides to come back if he really hasn't decided yet. Um, this kind of made me think of a similar situation with Ian McKellen coming back to play Gandalf in the Hobbit movies. That's he said right, he yeah. wasn't he said he wasn't really entirely sure if he wanted to do it or not, but at the end of the day, the decision just came down to the fact that he didn't want to see somebody else play that role that he sort of made iconic in the first three Lord of the Rings films. And so he was like, I'm going to come back because that's my role. Like, I don't want them to have to recast somebody else in that and have them you know, live up to it or change what I did or something like that. He wanted it to just be continuous and be able to have him as Gandalf throughout the whole thing. So hopefully Harrison Ford will apply the same logic to Han Solo. And I just think that answer he gave on the Graham Norton show, I just think he was just trying to be funny there. I, I really didn't take too much into it. I was like, oh, so he's not really going to be in it. I mean, maybe that is really what he meant. But for me, I just think he was just trying to be funny in that moment, especially yeah. what the question was asked was kind of a joke anyway. Yeah, well, I don't know. For some reason, that kind of came off as genuine to me that he was like, well, that's why I haven't really made my decision yet. You know, I mean, he wasn't saying that he had that he's not coming back. I don't think he's like, flat out denying it or anything. I do think that there's a good chance that he's going to come back. But I think maybe I mean, maybe the fact that they haven't made an announcement for this long has to do with 
them still trying to work out negotiations with him or something like that. But it's all because of him. <laughs> We're waiting those long. <laughs> maybe. I mean, and I'm sure they're still auditioning people, you know, the younger actors like mm-hmm. Saoirse Ronan and all those other people that we've talked about on our other recent episodes. But as far as, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As far as the original three actors coming back though, you know, if anybody's holding that up, it's probably Harrison Ford, but I also thought it was funny too with that video of the Graham Norton show where it's kind of better to come about just having fun and like laughing with Harrison Ford. And then the show host Graham Norton like throws it to Benedict Cumberbatch and kind of like took him off guard like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, what? <laughs> like, oh, I got to answer this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just, like you said, it's just a fun video to see. <laughs> yeah. So you guys can go check that out if you want to take a look or if you haven't seen it already. Um, and then, of course, we do have um, another rumor from Jedi News talking about when we might see a possible teaser trailer for Star Wars Episode Seven, And they're saying that when Captain America, the Winter Soldier, comes out in April of 2014 of next year, that we'll get a Star Wars Episode Seven teaser similar to what they did with Rebels, where it'll sort of announce the title and maybe have some graphics or some imagery or something, but not with any real footage from the movie yet. And, um, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, obviously I'd like to see a trailer for it, but to see just sort of a, um, you know, a little introductory teaser kind of thing like we got for rebels, you know, I'll take what I can get, but you usually don't see that kind of stuff at movie theaters. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see those online or something, you know, revealing like the title of a movie, but I can't remember the last time I saw just a short little teaser like that, um, in a, you know, in a movie theater with all the rest of the trailers. But of course, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to hype up this star Wars movie. So I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being true because of course you've got Marvel and Disney and Lucasfilm all incorporated now. And so I was definitely expecting to see the first trailer for episode seven, in front of a Disney movie or a Marvel movie. I was thinking, my prediction was that we would get it with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is set to come out a little bit later next year. Um, I thought that was coming out like later in the year, in the fall or the winter or something, but you said it's coming out around August, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's still uh, you know late enough in the summer that we could maybe get a teaser trailer with some actual footage in front yep. of that movie. So I'm still going to stick to that prediction that hopefully we'll get our first real look at episode seven with guardians of the galaxy especially because i think that would be fitting because they're both kind of space adventure movies even though i don't know much about guardians of the galaxy obviously it's got galaxy in the title and i know from reading some stuff about it that it's got some aliens and a talking raccoon and spaceships and all kinds of stuff and i'm like that sounds fun i'll probably go see it so yeah, it makes perfect sense, like you said, for it to be with that movie. Yeah. <laughs> definitely is that happening. Yeah. So hopefully that still happens. But I also would not mind going to see Captain America in April and getting the title announcement of episode seven. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, like you said, even if it is just a short title logo of Star Wars and it displays the main theme, it's still going to be <laughs> pretty darn exciting just to see that, say, Star Wars episode seven. I mean, like you said, there haven't been two movies that just have short trailers that just have the title i think the last ones really to do that were uh, the dark knight movies i know the first dark knight teaser was just the bat logo with the joker talking over it and then dark knight rises had a real short one the first trailer is but then like you said there hasn't been too many just short teasers like that but star wars at least the prequels none of them have it i think maybe just the very first star wars trailer where as the announcer like saying 
like talking over it, saying like coming to your galaxy, a movie in the making of a million years or something like that. And then the logo like explodes and that's it. So with Star Wars, it hasn't really been too too many just teaser trailers where it's just a logo and some music. So yeah. I would be kind of surprised if it does happen. But like you said, this is a whole new thing now with Disney. So like just to build the hype machine up, they could just start it off with a short teaser like we got with Rebels, rebuilding the logo. And then we get an actual teaser trailer with some footage and maybe in August, like you said, or in the fall that year. And then we get the main trailer later on in 2015. So. We definitely won't be complaining if we get more trailers than usual. Yeah. Well, one thing I just thought of as you were talking about that is I still remember the first time I saw a trailer for episode three in the movie theater. And I don't even remember what movie it was for. I was probably like 13 or 14 at the time because I was 14 when Revenge of the Sith came out. But I remember being super excited about it. But I know that trailer was – I think that trailer actually had some footage from episode three in it. But it yeah. started off with footage from the original trilogy. And um, I think it started with, like, Luke looking at the binary sunset, and then it shows him talking to Obi-Wan, and he's saying, you know, for over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of justice, peace and justice before the dark times, before the Empire. And then that's when it shows, you know, evil Anakin. Um, and then they showed some footage from Revenge of the Sith. But maybe they'll do something like that where they have sort of a montage of stuff yeah. from the previous films and then maybe show like a real quick shot from episode seven or something like that man that episode three trailer was so good <laughs> i yeah. remember that was the longest day at work because i wasn't able to see it till i got home later in the day i was like <laughs> oh man <laughs> that was like kind of where i just started at a new job too where it's like i didn't want to kind of watch things on the, on the internet right away yeah yeah and so it was like it just had to wait till i get old to watch it like oh man it was such a long wait yeah and see at that point i still wasn't quite as sort of internet savvy i guess as i am now you know i wasn't scouring for like all the news and watching all the latest trailers like as soon as they hit the web and all that kind of stuff and so i just figured it was getting close to episode three and there should be a trailer coming out sometime soon. And I went and saw this movie and you know, the trailer might've already been online and I didn't know about it, but um, you know, I, I went into the movie and saw the trailer right there in front of the movie and was like, yes, I remember being like, <laughs> so excited. And then, you know, probably didn't even pay attention through the whole movie. Cause I was just thinking about star Wars. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be amazing to get that feeling again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even if it's just a logo, yeah. But, uh, so whatever it is, part of that story from Jedi News is that at the end it says that the trailer or that teaser is going to have the Episode Seven's title and the release date of November 11th, 2015. So that rumor just won't die of it being released in the winter or fall. So that's another thing that's still out there. When is it actually going to be released? Summer or fall? I'm still betting on the summer, but right now it's still up in the air. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean. I'm not sure where this rumor of it coming out in the fall started from because we heard a while ago that they were going to start production beginning of next year. So, I mean, obviously, if it's going to take them that long to do all the effects and the editing and all that kind of stuff, and I know from experience making my own Star Wars film that doing effects for a Star Wars movie takes a heck of a long time. But, you know, if they need to do it that long, or if they need to take that long to do it, then that ne wouldn't necessarily be too much of a surprise, but it kind of seems like people are assuming that, oh, because they haven't started shooting yet, there must be some kind of production delays, and now the thing's going to get pushed back. And, you know, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know exactly what they've been planning this whole time. But if those first rumors were true that we heard 
And it wasn't like right when they announced episode seven, but it seems like it's been a good while now. I think that we heard that that they were start planning to start production early next year. And as far as I know, that hasn't been pushed back at all. So it seems like even though things are kind of taking a while, it seems like they've always kind of intended to take their time with it. Yeah, and, I think uh, it, it doesn't seem like there have been any major delays as far as we know. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if they are going to have to push it back to winter of 2015, then um, I, I would assume that would just be from them looking at the time they need to finish everything and realizing that they're going to need more time for it. But I don't think it's because of anything that's holding them up right now. Yeah, I agree. And if we do... If they do decide to change the date, or not even change since they haven't announced it yet, but when they do announce the date, I'm sure it'll be before any teaser trailer or anything comes out. So we'll we'll have a we'll know beforehand before we see anything in the trailer, anyway. I would think. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, Star Wars has always been a summer movie, but I guess I wouldn't really mind seeing it in November or December or something because, for one thing, I mean, it kind of feels fitting because with this whole Disney regime change, anyways. It's like, well, you're going to have a different company, you know, producing it and marketing it and all that. Why not have a different release date? I mean, this is sort of moving on from the era of Lucas and 20th Century Fox Star Wars. But also, I wouldn't complain because then it'll probably still be out on out in theaters on Christmas Day, I would hope, because, you know, it's Star Wars and it's going to be popular and making a ton of money. So even though that would be almost two months after if it does come out, November 11th, as this uh, rumor suggests, I would just go see it again on Christmas for probably like the 12th time. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll still be in a big screen theater. <laughs> it's not yeah. again demoted to like the smaller screen, the smaller room. Yeah. Well, and even if it did, you know, like I said, I'm going to go course. see that yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of times. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But um, anyway, speaking of titles that might get revealed in a teaser trailer, we do have uh, one more rumor about possible titles, right? Yeah, um, Latino Review is at it again with some oh, more title rumors. Yeah, so take these with a grain of salt because you thought the previous rumor title, A New Dawn, was unoriginal. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you would feel about Return of the Sith or Rise of the Jedi. <laughs> now, to be fair, to say they're working, they reported as working titles, but still, I mean, for me personally, I have 100% confidence that those titles, those will not be the titles of Episode Seven. <laughs> those just seem way too redundant from Return of the Jedi or Revenge of the Sith. And you were mentioning this to me before, how you don't really don't want a return to be in, in two. Uh, subsequent episodes where you got Return of the Jedi, then you got Return of the Sith right next to each other. It just doesn't flow with the normal Star Wars uh, title sequence. So I maybe they are amongst the cast or amongst the crew working on it. They're calling it one of these, but I highly doubt these are end up going to be the title for Episode 7, just like I thought A New Dawn wasn't going to be. But compared to these two titles, A New Dawn sounds a lot better. Yeah, yeah, a new dawn I could live with, but it does say in the rumor that these were working titles that George Lucas himself came up with when he was writing the treatments for these movies before he handed them over to Disney and before, you know, J.J. Abrams and Michael Arndt and all these people started working on it. And so there's, you know, even if this is true, there's no guarantee that that's, or that one of those titles are what those guys are going to stick with. They could decide to call it something different. 
Um, because, yeah, like you said, I, I was talking to you about this before the show, and I said if they go with Return of the Sith, then you have two Return titles back-to-back because you've got Return of the Jedi and Return of the Sith. And if they use Rise of the Jedi, which I actually wouldn't necessarily mind by itself because that kind of sounds like a cool title, but then you have two Jedis back-to-back. You've got Return of the Jedi and Rise of the Jedi, so that sounds a little bit redundant too. Um, if I had to pick between the two titles, I would pick Rise of the Jedi over Return of the Sith just because... We don't yeah. have a rise of the something in Star Wars, but we do already have a return of the something. But, um, yeah, hopefully we get something a little bit more creative and original. But who knows? I mean, we talked about this before with A New Dawn where, I mean, I want to know what the title of the movie is. And hopefully it's something that gets me excited for it. But I'm going to go see the movie regardless of what they call it. I mean, they could call it Revenge of the Toast. And I would <laughs> still go see it and just be like, I hope this movie is a whole lot better than its title. And, uh, you know, as long as the story's good and the characters are good and there's some cool battle scenes and some great John Williams music and it just feels like Star Wars, I'll be happy regardless of the name that's on the poster. But um, I know that's something that still is going to be sort of a topic of conversation a lot and there's probably going to be some more rumors flying around about it before we actually learn what the title is. But I'm just going to kind (laughs) of apply our podcast motto and just wait and see. I don't know. Now I want to see this movie, Revenge of the Toast. Even if it's not a Star Wars movie. <laughs> well, well, that was actually a working title of A New Hope because it's the first movie after Revenge of the Sith where you see crispy Darth Vader crawling <laughs> out of the lava pit on Mustafar. But then George Lucas thought that wouldn't make any sense because I'm making an episode four first and nobody's seen Revenge of the Sith yet. <laughs> so they don't know that Darth Vader is toast. Ah, uh, see, it all makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so that's uh, pretty much all the rumors we've got uh, regarding Episode 7. Now, one other thing I was going to throw out before we move on to Clone Wars and Rebels and all this kind of stuff. If there's anybody out there who, like me, is a big fan of Star Wars The Old Republic and you play that game, you may have heard this announcement that came out in this past week that that game has a new expansion called Galactic Starfighter that's coming out. And it's, uh, I guess, kind of going to kind of be a staggered release where um, subscribers to the game get access to it in beginning of December. And then I think people who are preferred status, which means um, you, you you're using the free to play model, but you either like previously subscribed or you've bought things online with the game's uh, cartel coin currency or something like that. If you're in the preferred status, then you get to play it starting in January, and then I think it opens up to the public beginning in February. But basically what this is is a a giant uh, multiplayer space battle expansion, which I'm really excited about. I mean, the game has space combat right now, but there's sort of just these basic on-rails space shooter missions, kind of like Star Fox or something. And, you know, you're usually just flying through an asteroid and or through an asteroid field or a space battle or something, and you got to shoot down the Sith fighters that are coming at you and what have you. But uh, they're not terribly exciting. I know some people say they suck or they're just totally boring and they never play them. Um, I don't think they're too bad. I mean, they're kind of fun every now and then. But like I told you before, Tim, I usually only just do like one or two space battles with each character that I do because I just don't feel like they're worth spending a whole lot of time on. But when they add this expansion, I mean, this is what people have been asking for for a long time because this isn't just sort of like a guided on rails thing. This is like open controls. You know, you can go up, down, side, side, take your ship wherever you want. And it's going to be these giant 12 on 12 
multiplayer space battles and, you know, have some epic dogfights going on and stuff. So I'm really excited for that. Um, I know you haven't tried out the game yet, but if any of our listeners out there, if you guys play the game, uh, this is definitely something I think that's worth looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, even though I don't play Knights of the Old Republic or the Old Republic, um, this is the fact of having a just a new added multiplayer component to it with space battles sounds really cool. I mean, 12 on 12, <laughs> you could probably get some really cool battles, the space battles in there. Yeah, yeah, it should be pretty cool. And, you know, we don't cover a whole lot of Old Republic news on this podcast. I mean, there have been some other updates that have come out and uh, it kind of just come and go. And, you know, it's it's an ongoing MMO game. And, of course, they're going to be constantly updating stuff and fixing stuff. But I thought this was worth noting just because, for one thing, it's a big change that a lot of people have been asking for. I mean, pretty much since the game came out, they were like, oh, this is all you've got for space combat? Where's our, you know, big multiplayer battles? And now we finally got them. And... Um, I just th- think it's a cool ad- addition, too, because, you know, space battles are a big part of Star Wars, and it's one of my favorite parts of Star Wars. I mean, I love the ships and the dogfights and the space combat and all that, so I'm really looking forward to this. And you mentioned Star Fox earlier, too. I, mean, I really want to do Star Fox game. <laughs> there hasn't been a really good one since the N64 one since 97. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's I think that the, happened. <laughs> I think the last one they did is they, um, I think they remade it for the 3DS. Yeah. They remade the old N64 version with, like, newer graphics and stuff. Yeah, which was, which was good, but we need a really new good Star Fox game. <laughs> the last one, the new one was in 2005, and it was just all right. There's only like a handful of good uh, space missions because then you have like ground missions and you have the stuff on the tank and stuff where they're out of the ship. So it's like, just make a good old-fashioned space uh, dogfighting game of Star Fox. Yeah, or just make a new dogfighting Star Wars game and Tim can play that and forget all about Star Fox because he'll be yeah. flying TIE Fighters and X-Wings and stuff. Either way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping they have some really good space combat in the next battlefront game too but that's a whole nother tangent i could go off on (laughs) what i want to see in battlefront and i'm pretty sure we've already spent a couple of podcasts ranting about that yeah and that's not even the half of it we could talk about (laughs) oh yeah yeah not just space combat but all the other kind of stuff i want to see in there but anyways um so i think we're just about ready to sort of begin to segue into the main rebel stuff but first we got to talk about some exciting clone wars news um, and I was, uh, greeted with this on Facebook, uh, a couple days ago. I think this was like Thursday or Friday because it was leading up to the weekend with the, uh, the rebels panel at Comic-Con and everything. Yeah, it was Friday. But yeah, so Dave Filoni posted a, a Facebook update on Friday. And if you follow Dave Filoni on Facebook, you know that he doesn't post very often. And if he does, it's usually worth paying attention to. Sometimes it'll just be like a brief, you know, hey, thank you fans for your support and keep watching the show and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it'll be a lengthy update. I mean, when the Clone Wars was still on, sometimes he'd post something after an episode talking about how that was one of our greatest episodes and I'm so proud of the team. And here's a little peek at behind the scenes of how we did it. Or he'd maybe say like, oh, here's a little bit of what's coming up next season or something. And so, I mean, I'm always, you know, my, my ears kind of perk up, so to speak, when I see a, a post from Dave Filoni on Facebook, especially if I see that it's kind of lengthy, I'm like, Ooh, what's he got for us? Um, and then I read this, uh, read this post and it says, I'll just read it here. It says star Wars fans. I have some exciting news. We have wrapped production on all of the remaining star Wars, the clone wars episodes. And while that might be sad news in one way, it's good news in another. It means you will finally get to see them. When exactly is a detail I cannot yet share. 
I can confirm that in early 2014, you will be watching the final episodes of The Clone Wars, including one of Master Yoda's most challenging missions. So get ready. We've got Clone Wars and Rebels coming at you in 2014. Animated Star Wars is alive and well. Trust in the Force, my friends. Dave. And, uh, yeah, when I saw that, I was just like, yes. It it was just nice to have a little bit of reassurance that they were still working on these Clone Wars bonus episodes, that they are done with them now. And that we're definitely going to get to see them because even though we keep hearing from, you know, Pablo Hidalgo and different people that, oh, yeah, they're still in the works and we're still trying to work out, you know, when they're going to be released and all this kind of stuff. I have to admit that I was starting to have just a teeny tiny bit of nagging doubt in the back of my mind that these were going to get, you know, that these were going to kind of go the way of 1313 and just get abandoned and that, while, you know, they were going to be focused so much on Rebels that these Clone Wars episodes would kind of just sit on a shelf or that they wouldn't be able to work out a deal with whoever they're going to distribute them through or something. And that someday down the road, we were just going to get an announcement saying, hey, sorry, guys, but these episodes are canceled, too. And it was just going to be sort of the final nail in the coffin of Clone Wars. And, you know, they already stabbed us in the heart by canceling it. And this was just going to be them twisting the knife and... I mean, I'm not saying that's what I definitely thought was going to happen. It was just sort of a little creeping doubt in the back of my mind that I was like, I really hope that doesn't happen, but I could kind of maybe see that happening if things don't work out. And for Dave Filoni himself to say, hey, guys, you know, don't worry. These are coming. They're done. And we're working out how to get them to you. I was just like, "Okay, okay, we're going to get these and they're going to be good. And the other thing that I thought of was just because they've been working on these for longer than I thought they would be. I mean, it was back in March or maybe April that we got the announcement that Clone Wars was canceled. I know the season ended in March and it was soon after that. So it was probably like end of March or sometime in April at the latest. I don't remember exactly when, but obviously that's, you know, what, like six months ago, something like that. And so for them to have spent this long on it, um, I didn't think that uh, Disney would let them take that long to, work on the remaining episodes now they probably haven't been working on them sort of full steam ahead you know with a full crew like they were during sort of the height of the show's production it's probably been um you know maybe just a few people so maybe it's taken longer to do less work but at the same time there were some rumors going around when the clone wars first got canceled that uh with the bonus content like it would only be the episodes that were finished right then when the show got canceled and that there were some episodes that were close to being finished that weren't going to get finished because they weren't going to be able to you know finish those up and they weren't done enough in the state that they were in so this gives me hope that hopefully there are some good episodes that were you know close to being done then that they've actually gotten a chance to wrap up now so I'm I'm pretty excited that a we're gonna get to see these episodes for sure. We've got you know Dave's assurances, but also that um, hopefully we'll maybe get to see a couple more episodes than we originally hoped or you know thought we might. So hopefully we got some good stuff coming. Yeah, I'm right with you. I mean, after reading uh, Dave's post on Facebook, how can you not get excited about that if you're a Star Wars fan in general? I mean, that we words. I mean, we got Clone Wars and Rebels coming in 2014. And- what more can you want for Star Wars and animation than that? I mean, uh, how it describes the Yoda arc coming up. I mean, I just can't wait to see that. But like you said, too, just the fact that they just announced this, that production has officially wrapped on all the remaining Clone Wars episode. I thought the same thing where, oh, maybe this means we're going to get more than we originally thought we would. Because uh, we've heard 
the two arcs we know we're getting the Yoda arc and the Order 66 arc with the clones. Not to mention Clovis, which should have been done a long time ago. So I don't think those are really counted as part of the remaining episodes that they're finishing production on. So, yeah, just like you said, hopefully we'll get a good portion, maybe half a season's worth or maybe more, not the whole season, but maybe just a little under it. And, of course, the big question remains how and when we're going to see it. But early 2014, that was kind of good enough for me, really, to start getting really excited about these again because 2014 is going to be here before you know it. And you would think, too, that they would want to get these out before they start rolling out more Rebel uh, information or footage or trailers and stuff. So I'm guessing probably maybe not January, February, but maybe around March, sometime around there is when we'll see them. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited about it. And just a perfect lead up into <laughs> what we're going to, the information we got over the weekend with Rebels. And I kind of think, too, that maybe this was posted on Friday just to kind of get that out of the way so uh, Pablo Hidalgo didn't have to answer a bunch of questions from audience Q&A at the panel saying, when are we going to see the Clone Wars bonus content? Can you say anything about it? What's going on? I think Pablo actually made a comment during the panel saying, I want to thank Dave Filoni for uh, making this post yesterday so I wouldn't have to deal with it or something like that to that <laughs> effect. So it was, it was perfect timing, like you said. And just, man, I just can't wait to see him. Yeah, but I think it also just kind of happened to work out that, I mean, when he made this post, he said, we've just wrapped production on yeah. the final episode. So, you know, maybe they finished them Wednesday or Thursday and he was like, okay, now I can go tell everybody about it. And, of course, you know, the timing happened to work out with New York Comic Con, too. I'm sure that wasn't completely a coincidence, but I also think it just happened to coincide with, you know, when they finished those episodes. But, uh, you know, something else, and, you know, obviously we'll get to the, the bulk of the Rebel stuff in a minute, but something they mentioned in that panel is that all they showed was, like, concept art and images and stuff like that, and they didn't have any footage from the show yet because they said they were just starting on the animation mm -hmm. And so maybe with the, you know, finishing up the Clone Wars, they got their their animation team together that was going to be working on the show. And of course, they're working on concept art and character models and all that sort of thing. But maybe also while they were like still working on the stories and the scripts and the character ideas and all that sort of stuff, they maybe were like, OK, hey, you know, we've got our team together. Why don't you guys finish up these Clone Wars episodes so you have something to work on while we're still sort of ironing out the details of Rebels over here? Man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> That's so, what happened. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, because Dave has made a point of saying that a lot of the crew for Star Wars Rebels is, um, you know, people who've worked on the Clone Wars. And so I'm sure he's, you know, still in touch with a lot of those people and still working with them on a daily basis. So it's not like he had to have his own little side team of Clone Wars leftover people, you know, finishing up the bonus content. I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of crossover there and some people who've been working on both. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I could definitely see that happening where, like you said, maybe if they just want to get their feet wet with uh, how production works on working on a Star Wars animated series, how we'll finish up production on the Clone Wars. I mean, also, too, we did get that information a few months ago where Kevin Kiner was saying he was still working on scoring a few remaining episodes. So that kind of leads into what we were saying, too, how it might be more than we originally thought it was going to be. So, yeah, it's, I think signs are... In, Signs are looking good for the Clone Wars bonus content being more than what we thought. Now I just hope <laughs> we don't get disappointed when later on, oh, it's only going to be two arcs and the Clovis arc, that's it. Well, but yeah, I mean, I don't think so. three story arcs would still be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and if they didn't have any more episodes in there, then they could make up for it by giving us three story arcs and a uh, Clone Wars series soundtrack. Yeah. I don't know. Right now I'm kind of hoping for four. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because I'm also hoping that they got time to finish up that Boba Fett story arc that yep. we heard about. If we just get that Boba Fett arc, I'll be really happy. Yeah, yeah, same here. That's kind of like top of my wish list of yep. if there are any other episodes we can get, I want that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get as many as possible. I'm sure they're going to be great, and uh, hopefully we'll get some more information soon about when and where exactly we'll be able to see those. And uh, one other – oh, you know, before we move on, it, it was funny too that I told you this um, – well, actually, this was one of the rare occasions where I found out a piece of Star Wars news before Tim and tweeted it before he did. <laughs> and I was like, got to savor this opportunity. And before I even go like talk to Tim about it or anything, I'm jumping straight on Twitter and posting that before Tim does. But then we talked about it later, and uh, I mentioned to you that, oh, you know what? Dave Filoni made this announcement on the same day that I pre-ordered my Clone Wars Season 5 box or uh, complete series box set. Yeah, that's right. On Blu-ray, so I'm pretty excited for that too. I don't know if uh, anybody else out there is planning to get the complete set, but that's coming out next week. So keep an eye open for that. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see all those episodes in high def and get a whole bunch of bonus content that I haven't seen yet. You know, behind the scenes and deleted scenes and all that kind of stuff. That should be pretty awesome. Yeah, you're gonna love it. There's some great stuff on the Blu-ray stuff. See, yeah. see Kyle, all you had to do was pre-order it a while ago, and then we would have gotten this announcement. Right, right. And then, like I said, now I got to go buy something else Star Wars related, and they'll announce when they're gonna actually release it, and how we'll be able to watch it. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so get the complete box set, and then get season five by itself or something. <laughs> well, yeah, that would be redundant. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Blu-ray box sets, IGN.com just posted a clip earlier today. Um, just sort of a promo clip uh, promoting the Clone Wars Blu-ray box sets that are about to come out, the complete series and season five. And they've got a deleted scene from uh, the season five episode, The Lawless, where Darth Maul and Savage Opress face off against Darth Sidious in a lightsaber battle. And it's not a, a complete, you know, sort of finished deleted scene, but it's sort of the beginning of that lightsaber fight. And then it goes into an animatic uh, sort of, you know, unfinished. It's, it's sort of just like a rough animation that they do without putting all the, the final finishing touches and the textures and the models and all that kind of stuff in it but it's just sort of uh with the the basic character models and the animations just sort of roughed out but it's like a long extended version almost two minutes long of just the beginning of that fight scene where they're still in Satine's throne room there on Mandalore and uh looks like a pretty awesome fight and you know I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are going to watch this and go oh man why didn't they put that in the episode and I'm sure it just came down to time constraints because you know in a in a 22 minute episode where you're packing in a lot of story and you've got, you know, Obi-Wan and Satine and Bo-Katan and everybody else to deal with. You can't fit in like a whole long, you know, five minute lightsaber fight or anything. So they kind of had to trim this down a little bit, but from the stuff you can see in there, it looks pretty good. And I mean, the, the animations are kind of rough because again, this is just sort of a thing that they sort of just roughed out to, to map out sort of how it would go. And they do this a lot with animation, and you see sort of scenes where you can just sort of see how the characters would have moved or something. But it looks a little bit more rough when it's a lightsaber fight. And, of course, you know, you're used to seeing, like, the fluid motions and the attacks and the sort of the combat choreography and all that kind of stuff. But you can still see kind of how it would have gone. And uh, there's some stuff in there that you'll recognize, like Darth Sidious does his little flying tornado kind of little twirly jump move that he does towards uh, mace windu in episode three he does that in this clip and there's some other cool stuff in there so you guys should definitely check that out i don't know if we even have that on our twitter feed yet but if not we should post that on there yeah it was really cool to see i mean 
like you said, my first reaction when I saw it, like, oh, man, how awesome would that have been if it was included in the actual episode? And I was thinking, yeah, it was, like you said, it was more than likely because of time restraints, but I was hoping they could have finished fully animating it and then decide to cut it later and then put it back on the Blu-ray release. <laughs> that would be the ultimate because there was some pretty cool stuff going on in that fight. I mean, it's already awesome, and this just would have took it to almost another level because one thing that jumped out at me was actually seeing Darth Maul kind of get the upper hand for a second on Sidious where he's able to force push him and have him in a force choke for a little bit. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, I, like Sidious dominated that whole fight in the actual episode, and to see Darth Maul actually have just a fraction of a chance where he had the upper hand was kind of took me by surprise. But a part of me is thinking, well, I, it was does work better for the episode knowing that Sidious had the upper hand the whole time and you knew right away that they're not going to beat him. But yeah, definitely some cool stuff in there that you got to check out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a whole bunch of this kind of stuff on the, uh, on the Blu-ray box set, but yeah, yeah. it's definitely cool. You should check it out. And, um, I think with that, let's get to star Wars rebels, the big news of the weekend yes. where, uh, we just had yesterday at uh, New York comic con, the, Star Wars uh, Rebels Might of the Empire panel where they spent the whole time talking about I mean you know they, they talked about just sort of Rebels in general but a lot of the panel was focused on the Empire and uh, they, they still haven't revealed the main Rebel heroes of the show but they did reveal a new Imperial villain they showed a lot of concept art and models and things like that of TIE fighters and Star Destroyers and Stormtroopers and they showed a new kind of Stormtrooper they showed a couple new vehicles so lots of cool stuff going on. Um, neither of us were there, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, we were both keeping an eagle eye on the Twitter and, uh, you know, Internet and all the kind of posting and updates and all that kind of stuff that were flying out from there. So uh, let's see, Tim, you want to start us off and we'll kind of just go through all the all the big updates as they happened. Yeah, geez, man. Where to begin, really? <laughs> so many cool stuff. I mean, it, the title of it was called The Might of the Empire and it definitely showed in this panel and as someone who's always been a big fan of the empire i mean yeah it delivered on that front so i guess some to go ahead and start off with the new information we got from it was that first off um pablo hidalgo kind of described how i guess the series is going to start off and it kind of goes back to the rumors we reported last week how the empire was going to kind of take control of the planet and the citizens go along with it, but not everyone. And that's kind of what starts uh, the rebellion. And we get, I guess that's where the main character is going to come from. But um, the exact quote from Pablo Hidalgo was that um, when the empire first formed, the stability was actually a welcome change from the constantly warring and declining Republic. And when I first heard that, I was like, yeah, you know what? I never really thought about that, but it does make perfect sense. I mean, they were fighting in the clone wars for a few years. And when the empire took over or formed, it was, there was peaceful times like Palpatine promised. And then, then he goes on to say that once one of the principles of the empire is expansion. And they did that about by pushing out into the outer rim territories that the Republic never really got into. And one of those planets is going to be the planet, uh, Lothal. And that's, which is going to be kind of the main, uh, primary location for the show, at least in the first few episodes. So that was the first big uh, reveal, I would think for uh, star Wars rebels that was announced at the panel. And then also, uh, the big thing, too, is that it's going to take place 14 years after Revenge of the Sith. So we finally got a time frame for the show. We're always wondering, is it going to be early on in the beginning of the Empire, like right after Episode 3, or is it going to be closer to A New Hope? But now we know it's uh, closer to A New Hope. And I was actually kind of surprised by this. 
and I said this on a previous episode where I was kind of hoping where maybe we'll start the series off early on in the Empire's reign where it's right after episode three. And then as the seasons go through, we'll get closer and closer to A New Hope. But yeah, it actually kind of took me by surprise that it's going to be this long after Revenge of the Sith. I mean, 14 years. So the Empire has been established for a few years now. So I don't know how you felt about it, but definitely took me by surprise when I heard, oh, it's going to be 14 years after Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, well, it was kind of surprising because um, we've even heard some recent rumors that it was going to be like seven or eight years after Revenge of the Sith or before A New Hope or something, sort of right in the middle of that timeline. But now we know it's a little bit closer to the original trilogy, which I think will sort of benefit the show because obviously as as sort of diehard Star Wars fans and as big fans of the Clone Wars, I think a lot of us were hoping that it would start off closer to... Um, Revenge of the Sith so that they could maybe wrap up some Clone Wars storylines in there and yeah. uh, you know we could maybe see what happens to Captain Rex and maybe see Ahsoka on the run from the Empire or maybe find out what happens to Cad Bane or see Boba Fett get his armor for the first time or something like that if we didn't get to see those in the Clone Wars bonus episodes but um, I, I think this will sort of like I said it'll benefit uh, Rebels as its own show because then they won't really have to worry about that, I guess. I mean, as much as it wouldn't be nice to see stuff wrapped up from the Clone Wars, it'll also kind of be refreshing to just see, you know, new characters and new storylines and not have to um, sort of have those those weighty expectations of, you know, oh, they better include this character or wrap up this storyline or this, that, or the other thing. It's like they've placed it far enough ahead that it's like, okay, we're just starting over with some new characters and we're going to have some new stories and some new stuff going on. So um, I think that'll be pretty interesting to see and also when you were talking about the uh, the Empire sort of being a welcome change, I mean, yeah, you would think on the one hand that's a little bit surprising because, you know, they're always portrayed as the bad guys. And even though, even though they are sort of the established order and that in the Star Wars universe, you would think the Empire isn't really looked at as the bad guys because they're the government and the police and everything else. But at the end of Episode 6, when the Empire gets overthrown, you see people celebrating on Coruscant and Naboo and everywhere else. I mean, granted, that was in the special edition, but, you know, even on Bespin and Tatooine and everywhere else, it's like sort of the whole galaxy had come to be tired of being dominated by the Empire's rule. But at first, it does make sense that when they first took over that, yeah, the Order and everything was sort of a welcome change from the Clone Wars and everything – and I think you already see that illustrated in Episode 3. Like, it's, it shouldn't be that big of a surprise because we've already seen in Episode 3 when Palpatine announces that there's going to be an Empire, everybody stands up and cheers. And Padme's yeah, like, you know, of course, Padme's sitting there going, what the heck are you guys doing? He just killed your freedom <laughs> and you're giving him thunderous applause. But, um, you know, I, I think part of the reason that went over so well and part of Palpatine's master stroke of genius was that he just created all this chaos with... I mean, the Clone Wars and the Separatists and the corrupt politicians in the Republic and all the corruption that was going on there and the sort of declining power of the Jedi Order and people's changing perceptions of them. And there's just all this crap going on. And then Palpatine said, OK, look, we're going to establish an empire. I'm going to rule over the galaxy with an iron fist and everything's going to be simple. There's going to be one guy in control and there's not going to be Separatists and Jedi and all this other kind of stuff. And Rather than be like, no, you're mean and we don't want you to tell us what to do, people were just like, yes, let's just go back to having things be simple and not so much corruption and war and all this other crap going on. So I think it definitely makes sense that at least at first some people would you know, go along with that and uh, 
you know, that it would be a, a welcome change. So it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting place to start from and see sort of how those attitudes start to change and how the rebellion starts to form. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a cool part of the show is where if we'll actually see a lot of that uh, be addressed in the show where we see opinions of a lot of planets in the galaxy change of the Empire. Or is it only going to be strictly to the outer rim, which is this planet Lotho is being described as, where maybe those outer rim planets really don't know how the Empire is operating just yet, but kind of in the, like the main portion of the galaxy or the core core world where they already are feeling the bad effects that the Empire has. So it just... I ah, can't even talk. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see in part how much they address that was how the Empire is viewed throughout the whole galaxy. But like you said, I mean, just going back to how much of, how much of a genius Palpatine is. I mean, <laughs> just all the things you said just really just makes you appreciate just all the thought that him or I was just, even George Lucas, the thought he had about this whole story of how this whole Empire was set up and just the whole masterminding of Palpatine. I mean, it just baffled, not baffled me, but just... Uh, Gets me every time just how uh, genius of a planet was. I mean, <laughs> just seeing it unfold, and now we'll get more insight into that. It was Rebels. I just can't wait for it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it should be good. A big thing for me that I was wondering, I don't know if anyone else felt this way, but uh, I was always curious to see how what are the stormtroopers going to be in the show? Are they going to, some of them going to be clones? Is it going to be a mix? Or is it just going to be new people enlisted in the Empire? And in this panel, we got our answer. <laughs> the None of the stormtroopers are going to be clones and rebels. They're just going to be people who enlist in the Empire. And the reasoning is is that, well, also what's cool about rebels is that while Lucas isn't going to be fully involved in all the story ideas for the show, he did lay out some ideas of what happens after the Clone Wars and what goes on during this time period between episodes three and four. I just think that's really cool that even though he's not going to be involved, Lucas has already has a plan. And uh, Dave Filoni and Pablo Hidalgo mentioned that they're going to stick to that plan that Lucas had. So they're going to be following that pretty closely. And one of those things was uh, what happened to the clones. And the reason that Lucas said was that uh, clones show too much individuality to be of use of the empire. And so they just kind of want to have people enlisting and do what they say and not have their own opinions and forms or different ideals or whatever. So that's going to be the reason why none of the stormtroopers will be clones. But he did say also too, that, we may see older clones serve as uh, training sergeants to new recruits, store troopers in the Empire, which I think is really cool. And hopefully we get to see in some future episodes because despite um, the clones not being part of the Empire, at least the stormtroopers anymore, I still like to think that there's some veterans clone troopers out there serving as stormtroopers in a, some small way. <laughs> Maybe not a full-on battalion like they used to be in the Clone Wars, but there's had their presence felt some way somehow. Because <laughs> I just don't think they're all going to be pushed aside and just sent out on their own way and not have any use to the Empire. I think the Empire will use them for something. And like they said, it's going to be as training sergeants. So I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> that was yeah. one of my personal things I was dying to find out. Yeah, we'll see. Because, I mean, they also mentioned that the clones are going to be like 54 at this point. All the yep. clones that you know <laughs> were, were created for the Clone Wars specifically, they're getting along in years because they age twice as fast as everybody else. But also, um, and this was something that Dave Filoni said in another article that we'll uh, talk about in a bit, but um, I think he said something like, all this stuff they come up with, as far as the clones and sort of their place in the Empire and some other things like that, some of it is stuff that will actually figure into stories on the show, and some of it is stuff that we won't actually see, but it's just sort of stuff that they have to think about as far as, like, the background of the universe and all that kind of stuff, so... 
I mean, we might not ever actually see any clone troopers as training sergeants, but it's something that they just had to think about, like, well, what did happen to the clones? And they've got their answer, and that just sort of informs what they do on the show. And maybe we'll see them at some point. I mean, I, I certainly would like to, um, especially if you see maybe one of the, like, more loyal clones, like Commander Cody or something yeah, like that, see him as, thing. like, an Imperial general or something. How cool would that be? But Yeah. Or maybe we'll just get, like, a passing reference of a stormtrooper complaining about his training sergeant oh he's just like a grizzled old veteran from the clone wars like one of those clones or something like that yeah yeah and you know i'm sure we'll get references at least to the clone wars because it's something that happened and you know even though it's 14 years in the past i mean people nowadays still talk about world war ii and vietnam and stuff that happened more than 14 years ago and that's just stuff that shaped our planet this is stuff that's shaping the entire freaking galaxy Mm -hmm. so i'm sure there will be you know some callbacks to the clone wars in there yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> but I'm just, at least I finally have a definitive answer of the, the Stormtroopers, if any of them are going to be clones. So. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of always what I thought because, I mean, maybe it's just been from the EU, but I know I've read about, you know, Stormtrooper training academies and things like that. And uh, then after, you know, it seems like after Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, I've run into a lot of people who just thought, oh, so all the Stormtroopers are just clones now, right? And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. Like, they were all clones in the Clone Wars, but I'm pretty sure they don't all use clones now. Um, yeah, I always, I always thought the majority of them was new recruits in the Empire, but there was a kind of like a good mix of a few clone veterans in there. Um, not as many as there were before, obviously, but the ones that Huku were still able to fight were the Empire would let still remain as part of like the Stormtroopers or the different uh, legions of Stormtroopers. So maybe right. that's not going to be the case now, and they're just going to be sergeants, like they said here, but. I'm just glad we have a definitive answer. (laughs) Well, and it also seems like it's kind of ironic that in the Clone Wars, like Palpatine bred that clone army because he thought they'd be easier to control and, you know, make them more independent and free thinking than droids, but still, you know, sort of not free thinking enough that you can control them and that they'll just follow orders and sort of do what they're programmed to do. And then you see some clones sort of break that mold and the more they create and the longer they fight in this war and the more they interact with each other, sort of the more individual personalities they, um, you know, they sort, sort of start to develop. And so then he figures, well, rather than have these clones, you know, and just try to breathe loyalty into them, we'll just take, you know, the, the people that are already, you know, that want to be loyal to the Empire rather than people who we try to, you know, make them born to do it. And I I think they specifically mentioned, they said all the stormtroopers are recruited like fervent patriots. And uh, that's something else that I didn't really think of. I mean, it it does sort of make sense what we were talking about before with the fact that, uh, you know, that some people think that the Empire is a welcome change and that there's peace and stability and all that. But I never really thought of people having like fervent patriotism towards the empire and that there'd be stormtroopers that just want to enlist. I mean, I've heard of a lot of, at least it seems like in some of the EU stories that I've read and stuff that there's stormtroopers who are like enlisted or, you know, the imperial, the empire will conquer a planet and then they'll sort of just like force people to join the military or something like that. But it does kind of make sense that at least the first batch of stormtroopers would be, you know, that you wouldn't want to just sort of try to force people into submission, but that it would be people that believe in this idea of a new empire and want to sign up to try to enforce that. Yeah, and it makes uh, sense, too, with kind of how they're promoting it. I mean, before a few days before the panel, they released that cool poster, kind of like those propaganda posters, where it has those line of stormtroopers on there. So you think that's kind of what the empire is using to recruit these, like you said, these patriots to join the empire. So. I'm just liking how the whole thing is shaping up for the series, how the Empire is operating. 
I mean, it's, it's some changes to what I thought it was going to be, but I think it's changes for the better. So as I keep hearing this stuff, it just gets me more and more excited. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the stuff I heard and was like, oh, I didn't really think of that before. But yeah, that yep. makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But a big portion of the panel really was showing off a lot of the designs for some new vehicles and some old vehicles. I mean, they showed some like TIE fighters, Star Destroyers, but a new vehicle they showed is a new Imperial Walker called the ATDP, which stands for All-Terrain uh, Defense Pod. And they actually showed, it's kind of like an ATST a little bit, but um, it was one of the designs done by Joe Johnson for Empire Strikes Back that really didn't get used, so now they're going to be using it for Rebels. They also had a new uh, ATDP pilot that was uh, revealed. And I have to say, I was a little disappointed in that design. It's basically a, a Stormtrooper uh, face helmet, but also with the helmet of an ATST or an ATAT pilot on top of it. And it made it look different when you see it fully animated, but just going off the concept art designs for it, I really wasn't a big fan of that uh, trooper design, which is kind of saying something because it's really hard not to make any type of Imperial trooper not look cool. But. <laughs> First glance, I really didn't buy into this new look for the ATDP uh, trooper. Yeah, well, I think they were basically saying they were trying to combine the helmet of like the uh, the ATAT pilot driver from Empire Strikes Back with mm -hmm. sort of that longer, you know, top helmet piece from the uh, the ATST drivers. And I guess I didn't really take a real close look at the concept art, but I saw it and kind of got the general idea of it. And I mean. I'm sort of in the middle on it, I guess. I mean, I wasn't disappointed by it. I also wasn't super excited because I guess I don't expect, you know, Imperial Walker pilots to look all that cool in the first place. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, no offense to, you know, if there happens to be anyone out there who's an AT-AT pilot in the 501st Legion or something like that. But those just aren't my favorite character designs. I mean... You know, I think Storm. the rule should be, if you're anything of the Empire or Imperial Forces, you have to look cool no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> the majority of them do. Yeah. Well, you know what? I guess I've always thought the clone troopers looked cooler in terms of just the different variations on the armor. They do, um, yeah. I will agree that. I, I mean, clone troopers uh, grew on me as far as being a lot cooler looking than the stormtroopers were now. Yeah. I mean, stormtroopers look pretty cool, I guess. But with the Empire, to me, it seems like it's more about the vehicles. I mean, you've got the TIE Fighters and the Star Destroyers and the AT-ATs and the ATSCs and all this kind of stuff. And then you've got all the troopers that just all wear the same white uniform, whereas in the Clone Wars, you had a whole bunch of different, you know, you had guys using different weapons, you had guys with different helmets and visors and little, you know, antennas and gadgets and stuff sticking up in the you know, different pauldrons and markings and different color schemes. And there's just so much more variation. And so with the Imperials, it's like, okay, yeah, you've got stormtroopers, And then what else you got TIE fighter pilots and ATST pilots and ATAT pilots. And so now we've got a new type of Imperial pilot in here, but, um, you know, that's not really a, a big sticking point for me one way or the other. So I'm just sort of like, okay, cool. We've got a new Imperial pilot. Now let's see what he can do with this cool new vehicle that he's driving. Yeah. <laughs> And hopefully they just won't uh, be expendable or all we see them is get blown up by the rebel. <laughs> so hopefully they'll just see them do some damage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess these things do look pretty similar to ATSTs, but um, I don't know. It still looks pretty cool. So I guess we'll just have to see it in action to see how much different it really is. Yeah, and another vehicle they showed, which kind of got a pretty big reaction from the crowd, was the, the new Imperial uh, Troop Transport Vehicle. It was actually based off of the old uh, Kenner like Imperial, uh, like, I think it was a prisoner transport. And at the panel, they show the commercial, like the old uh, 70s commercial for the toy. And then Paul Hidalgo actually brought it out 
the actual uh, toy from <laughs> of the and then as he's showing the concept art on the screen he's showing the toy kind of comparing the two uh, there so that kind of got a good reaction from the crowd to seeing how there any old designs never <laughs> left unused i mean if it's been designed by someone somewhere it, it might eventually get used <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that just goes to show how the people creating this show really care about star wars yeah. and know their star wars and you know they're drawing from you know, Ralph McQuarrie concept art and other concept art, you know, like you said, with the Joe Johnson design for that Imperial pod Walker. And then of course, you know, old Kenner toys and stuff like that. I mean, they've got this, uh, this Imperial troop transport vehicle, but they've also, they also said there's like a new detail that they added to the stormtrooper blasters that wasn't in the movie, but it was in the Kenner toys or something like that. So just a lot of callbacks to classic star Wars type stuff. Yeah. No one could ever say these, the, <laughs> creative forces behind the show aren't star wars fans that's definitely oh, yeah. for sure yeah definitely yeah um, and then they also showed some more like uh, designs of the tie fighters and saying how the the cockpit's a little bit larger the ball of the cockpit's a little bit larger and the, but the wings will be a little smaller and that they're more based off ralph mccrory's designs and they showed that sort of star destroyer designs and a new speeder bike so just a lot of vehicles are on display at the panel and they all look really cool <laughs> Despite just being concept designs, I mean, they already look pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I think they showed a new kind of Imperial cruiser, too, that's sort of like a, you know, a smaller, not not really a Star Destroyer, but I guess sort of, you know, the, the next step down in terms yeah. of, you know, sort of large-scale transport ships. Also, something that was interesting, I think it was the, uh, the troop transport they showed that can, like, dock TIE fighters on it. They showed a piece of concept art of that. With, it had, like, a couple of TIE fighters hanging off the bottom of it so it can sort of shuttle those around. Um, or that, that might have been this cruiser they were talking about. It's one of the two. Yeah, I think uh, that one was actually a design based off of episode one. I think yeah. for the, the ship in the beginning, like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were on. It's like an early design for that, and now they're using it for Rebels. So, <laughs> again, no design goes unused. <laughs> yeah, well, and they, they modified it, which, I, I mean, I saw that picture, and I sort of recognized the ship. I think it might be in the background in episode one somewhere. Um, maybe on Coruscant or something. It might be a shuttle that Palpatine uses, but it's nice to see that that they still have that sort of crossover there because we saw that a lot with Clone Wars where we would see um, they they would take some of the Republic vehicle designs from like Episode 2 and Episode 3 and then they'd sort of add stuff to them to uh, sort of signify the the change towards the Empire. We saw stuff like uh, just, you know, certain clone trooper designs and certain vehicles that would sort of go towards the original trilogy. We even saw like the prototype Z-85 headhunters and the Y-wings and stuff like that, you know, vehicles that the the Rebel Alliance ends up using um, and just sort of foreshadowing the, the next era of Star Wars. And it's nice that even now with Rebels in the, you know, this era of the Empire that they're... Um, sort of having callbacks to the prequels and you sort of see where those designs came from. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just got a lot of stuff that we're familiar with in this panel, but new stuff that's based on old stuff. So it's just a nice mix of uh, the new and the old and just stuff getting redesigned and then just tinkered a little bit for the show, but it's all looking amazing. I mean, this again, these are just the concept art. No footage or videos were shown of any of the stuff and it's already looking awesome so i just can't wait to see the actual footage i mean if that short teaser was any indication of what the starter tour is going to look like it's going to be amazing <laughs> i just can't wait yeah yeah and uh you know like you said they didn't show any footage at this panel but we got a lot of concept art of like i said imperial stuff we got storm stormtroopers and 
TIE fighters and we got like a look at the inside cockpit of a TIE fighter and we got all these new, you know, cruisers and troop transports and walkers and they had a couple of pictures of a Star Destroyer too and showing what that model's going to look like. Um, and then sort of the big reveal for the end of the panel was that they revealed this new villain called the Inquisitor who's uh, tasked by Darth Vader to hunt down the remaining Jedi um, and obviously there's a lot to talk about with this guy. And one of the things I wanted to bring up first, I know a lot of people have said, now, wait a minute, hunting down the last of the Jedi, that's Darth Vader's job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, yes, that is Vader's job. And hopefully we'll maybe still get to see Vader doing a bit of that. But for one thing, it's a big galaxy. So maybe Vader needed to call in some backup on this. Um, and, but also I think just for the sake of storytelling in the show, they wanted to have sort of a more accessible, you know, regular villain who I, I, like my guess would be that this Inquisitor is maybe sort of running things on this planet Lothal or maybe working with whatever Imperial commander or governor or somebody comes in there that he's going to be sort of the bad guy that the, that the heroes are dealing with on a regular basis. And, uh, it says, they, they said something in the panel that like, you know, if that the more successful the, the heroes are that then like the, the more attention they're going to gain and the more sort of the bigger bad guys they're going to have to face. Yeah. So it's like, you start off with this inquisitor and then if they give him trouble, maybe Vader has to come in himself because I mean, as much as I love Darth Vader and would love to see Vader on this show, I can definitely understand if they don't want to have him be, the regular bad guy from week to week because he's such an iconic character at this point and such a, um, you know, sort of huge pop culture icon. And even within the star Wars universe itself, he's such a sort of feared presence in this big character. So you don't want to necessarily spoil that power that he has by having him just sort of be like the regular bad guy of the week. You want to have sort of some buildup to that, like, you know, the heroes get this big victory and they think they've won. And then, oh crap, they got, you know, they, you, you got Vader's attention and now he's coming after you. And then we'll finally get to see Vader on the show. Yeah. I mean, right when I first saw the announcement of the Inquisitor, I kind of had the reaction you're talking about was like, wait a second, I want to see Vader do the Jedi hunting, but I kind of, after thinking about it more. And then the thing that got me was that this is taking place 14 years after Revenge of the Sith. So I'm sure, Within those 14 years, especially in the beginning, Darth Vader did already did a lot of the Jedi hunting going on. So, right. 14 years later, I think maybe he's going to assign it or delegate that task to someone else. But the interesting thing too here is I'm going to kind of show how my lack of EU knowledge right now. But <laughs> the Inquisitors were actually characters from the EUs that I wasn't aware of uh, before this got announced. And then kind of reading up on them, it's pretty much what they're going to be in Rebels. I mean, there was different ranks of the inquisitors in the empire they got like the grand inquisitor the high inquisitor a chief inquisitor so there are a segment in the empire that was used and even in the eu EU, looking at wikipedia described them as like agents being used uh, by the empire to hunt down the remaining jedi knights and that they are force sensitive uh, individuals so yeah i mean this villain does look pretty cool he has a double-bladed lightsaber which always looks awesome (laughs) but i'm gonna say the big thing that Pops in my head right when I saw his design. Man, he looks like the sun from Mortis. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. saw a lot of that on Twitter too, and a lot of fan reactions saying that. But when you look closely, it also kind of looks like a someone from Utapau. Like, kind of has that design. Oh, his face is shaped like that too. So I don't know, but the, his 
I don't know if they're tattoos or just the red markings he has on his face. It just he looks a lot like the sun. And I was talking to someone on Twitter about that, where it's like, man, it doesn't seem like it's gonna coincidence that he almost looks exactly like that. And when you see these like picture comparisons, and I've heard people already popping in the Mortis trilogy again, looking at the sun, and then looking at a picture of the Inquisitor, saying, "Man, they look all pretty similar." So, I mean, we'll find out if there's any connection. We'll see. But yeah, it's right off the top of my head. It's like, wait, is that the sun? Is he gonna be the main villain? Because <laughs> I saw the picture of him before I actually saw the video that was posted on StarWars.com and then read up on him what he's going to be. So it was like, oh, man, is that the sun? <laughs> How cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely looks similar, but I think it's different enough. And I think especially once we actually see the character in action and hear him talk and everything, it'll be different enough that I mean, maybe they did that intentionally. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that Vader went to Mortis and met the sun and then maybe That's sort of point. modeled this Inquisitor after him. But I think also if you take, I mean, yeah, like you said, I'm pretty sure this is an Utapauan or something. I'm not exactly sure the name of that species, but yeah, the the guys from Utapau, like the one that Obi-Wan meets in episode three, and he's sort of tall and bald-headed with sort of like these lines sort of engraved in his head and the um, sort of like round, flat ear things and the pointy teeth. I mean, it's that same kind of species, but obviously he's sort of a, uh, I don't, I, I guess you wouldn't call him a Sith, but yeah, he's a dark side force user. He's got like pale white skin and red markings on him and stuff. So he does look a lot like the sun, but also if you had never seen the sun or the Mortis trilogy and you imagined what a Sith Utapauan would have looked like, I think you'd still end up pretty close to how this guy looks. So it could just kind of be a coincidence too, but I'm sure, especially with Dave Filoni involved, that they were probably at least aware of those similarities. But um, it, it does kind of bring up a couple interesting questions because for one thing, um, in a lot of sources, the Empire has been pretty notoriously anti-alien, and so for one of these high-ranking Inquisitors to be a, uh, an alien species, this guy must be pretty good and pretty fearsome, mm -hmm. um, yeah. unless this is sort of like a separate you know, sort of thing under Vader's command where he doesn't really care what species they are, it's just he cares that they're loyal to the Empire and if they're Force-sensitive and can get the job done. Um, but also something I... Uh, thought about, and I don't know if I've really seen a lot of this reaction yet, but I'm sure it'll come up at some point, is when you've got a bunch of dark side force users running around, especially if this guy isn't the only one, because Pablo Hidalgo did kind of mention, like you said, that the Inquisitors, plural, were sort of an element they took from the EU, so it seems like this one particular Inquisitor will sort of be the regular villain on the show, but we may see other Inquisitors or get references to there being more than one of them. And of course, I'm sure somebody's going to bring up the question of, well, if there's a lot of dark side force users running around, you know, what happened to the Sith rule of two and all that kind of thing? Um, same thing that people have said a lot about, you know, Ventress and Maul and things like that in the Clone Wars. Well, at this point, honestly, I mean, I, and I sort of just thought of this the other day as I was thinking about this, like driving around or something. Because I've always thought about this, you know, with Palpatine and Vader and they got to stick to the rule of two and all that. And, you know, even, you know, where does Starkiller fit into it and all that kind of thing. At this point, I think they can kind of throw the rule of two out the window because I think the whole point of that was that there were too many Sith in the galaxy and, you know, they, they were warring with the Jedi, but they were also warring amongst themselves and they almost wiped themselves out. And so Darth Bane said, like, OK, well, there's just going to be two of us and it's going to be this cycle of like master and apprentice. Apprentice gets stronger than the master. Apprentice kills the master, becomes the master, takes a new apprentice, and then that apprentice eventually becomes stronger than the master. And it'll just be this ongoing cycle where each Sith becomes stronger than the next until they're strong enough to take over the galaxy. 
Well, Palpatine sort of fulfilled the end game of that strategy. You know, he was the one that like sat in the shadows long enough and manipulated things long enough to set up the downfall of the Republic and establish this empire with a Sith in control of it. And so now it's like if you need to use more dark side force users to assert your domination over the entire galaxy, then yeah, go for it. Because you're not trying to hide from the Jedi anymore. You've won. You've wiped the Jedi out. And even though, you know, it doesn't last for long, obviously we know things sort of come back to bite him in Return of the Jedi, and the uh, the Jedi end up winning and overthrowing the Sith. But at this point where the Empire is in complete control, I don't have a problem with them introducing a little bit more of a dark side force user element into the show. And I mean, obviously, I, I still don't think these guys are going to be called Sith, but if you have Darth Vader sort of employing these force-using agents, or even if we do see Starkiller at all on the show at some point. I think that came up during the panel. You know, maybe somebody asked, like, oh, you've got this Inquisitor, well, what about Starkiller? And they were kind of coy about that, suggesting that maybe we'll get to see him in the show, too. That maybe he's sort of like the next step up on the food chain. Like, you beat the Inquisitor, you got to face Starkiller, you beat Starkiller, then Vader comes after you, or something like that. But, um, I mean, that would be cool to see him on the show, too. But at this point, I'm like, yeah, maybe it would be kind of cool to see some more dark side force users running around and not just, uh, you know, not just Vader and a billion stormtroopers. Yeah. I could definitely see that reasoning working where, like you said, I wouldn't have a problem with it where they just threw out the rule of two, just because like you said, Palpatine won. Now the whole purpose of the rule of two was to, so they wouldn't wipe each other out again and they would never control the galaxy. But yeah, Palpatine accomplished that. So if he got more, uh, people to become if you wanted to call them Sith soldiers or whatever that's fine but my thing is that i don't necessarily think that's going to be the case i think the rule of two is still going to be in effect even with the inquisitor because there is going to be a difference even if you're a dark side user you're not technically a sith you have to be specifically trained in a way to become an actual sith so my whole thinking is that yeah the empire invader will use these inquisitors but they won't tell them all like the secrets of what it is to be a true sith and they'll just be kind of like how Asajj Ventress was to Dooku. I mean, even in the previous Clone Wars series, the Micro series, Dooku even said, you are strong on the dark side, but you are no Sith. So there's more to just using the dark side to be in a Sith. So I think they're going to kind of, Vader and Palpatine will keep him in check. Like, yeah, you'll be able to use the Force and you'll be a threat, but you're not going to be like full-on Sith. We won't show you all our secrets. That's kind of how I see it playing out, where how these Inquisitors are going to work. But like you said, too, with the whole anti-alien thing, that does bring into question that whole rule is this only applied to this section of the Empire where the Inquisitors are the only exception to the rule where as long as you're strong in the dark side of the forest, uh, you can be whatever species you want. We're just going to use you. So, yeah, this, this new character brings up a lot of possibility. I just can't wait to see more, see him in action, see what he's about, who's going to be his voice actor and see how much role he's going to have in this series. I like his design too. I mean, his outfit is kind of some of the concept art and then the art that was revealed on StarWars.com where he's in front of a bunch of stormtroopers. It's like a little bit of an Imperial officer with some armor. I like the shoulder armor that he has with the Imperial logo on there. I just think he looks really cool. So it's kind of a nice blend between something you would see in a Sith and an Imperial officer. Yeah. So yeah, I just can't wait to see how he's introduced. I'm kind of guessing too that we're not going to see him in the first episode, but it may be like in the last scene of the hour long premiere is when we're going to get his uh, big reveal. Kind of like how certain series, like the last shot shows the main villain is going to be like a threat for the remaining of the season. Mm-hmm. So maybe the empire will find out, well, there's this group of 
uh, people from or kids from the planet Lothal who are uh, forming this rebellion, and one of them is a Jedi, or maybe is a son of a Jedi, or a child of a Jedi, or something. We better bring in the Inquisitor to investigate this to see if there's a Jedi on this planet or something. So that's kind of how I picture him being revealed and brought into the series, because I don't think he's just going to go. Uh, be introduced as the Empire is making their way to the planet Lothal before there's any trouble because it specifically says he's there to hunt down remaining Jedi. So the Empire is going to have to find out something that there's a Jedi lurking around in this planet or amongst this group to send the Inquisitor out. So we'll see if that happens, but man, I just can't wait. <laughs> yeah, and they did say that at the panel that, you know, if the Inquisitors are brought in, that means yep. the Empire has reason to believe that the Jedi are involved somehow. Um, and at the same time, they said they're being very aware of the fact that, you know, the Jedi were supposed to be wiped out in Order 66 and that in the original trilogy, there's a special significance to Luke being the last of the Jedi. So it's not like there's going to be a yeah. whole contingent of, you know, surviving Jedi, but I'm sure there'll be one here or there. And it does sort of imply that, like you said, if this guy's going to be the main villain of the show on a weekly basis, that one of the i mean they they still didn't reveal anything about the regular characters of the show you know the the main heroes or whatever but uh that does sort of imply that one of them might be a jedi or at least force sensitive or somehow tied to or related to a jedi so uh yeah we'll just have to you know see what happens with that but should be pretty interesting see what i wouldn't mind seeing happen is maybe you know at the beginning of this hour long special you know, obviously we're going to be introduced to the characters and everything. Maybe halfway through the episode, the Inquisitor shows up or maybe towards the end or something like that. But if they're going to save a reveal for the end, I want it to be the Empire or the uh, the Inquisitor sort of finding out about this Jedi and reporting back to like a hologram figure of Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. Or even reporting to Vader in person. Like, yeah, he doesn't even crap. have to speak either. Just show his face. <laughs> if he doesn't speak, we have to hear the breathing. Yeah, <laughs> like, I talk about a way to cap off the first episode. Man. Oh man, yeah, and they did say that the uh, the hour long premiere is being written by Simon Kinberg, who obviously is you know we've talked about has done a lot of live action work. He's written X Men First Class, and uh, I think he's writing one of the Hunger Games movies coming up, and is you know he's he's writing one of the future Star Wars films, either Episode Eight or Nine or a spin off or something that we're not really sure about yet. But uh, either way, you know, that that should be a pretty exciting hour of TV to watch. Yeah, and just going back to what you mentioned earlier, how Pablo Hidalgo says we, we're taking into account how Luke is still – his his character is so important as being the last of the Jedi and they're not forgetting about that and how the Jedi are uh, still kind of aware of what happened with Order 66. So I just like the fact that they're not just taking this as, well, we respect Jedi in it we got to have him in there, but no, they're still taking into account everything that's gone on in the saga and how important of a role Luke plays in this. It's just, I mean, you expect it from guys like Dave Filoni who's shown time and time again, how much he cares and loves star Wars, but it's just always good to hear that reassurance, how seriously everybody working on this show is taken to the account of the story that's already been established and how they just don't want to ruin everything that's already been established with continuity and different characters. So it was maybe a small point to bring up, but I think it's really important just to know the fact that what's good, what we're going to see in Rebels is really not going to hurt or do any damage to the existing uh, continuity or characterizations and importance that Luke has and just the Jedi Order as a whole, just the significant role that Luke plays in that. So I just thought it was a great point to bring up and one that I kind of 
took notice of when I heard it. it was like, man, it's just so good to have these type of people working on this show because they're saying Lucas isn't directly involved anymore. And with Dave Baloney at the head of the production team of producers, I mean, it couldn't be in better hands. So, yeah, that's the worry that <laughs> it really shouldn't have. I wasn't expecting to have, for it to be a worry, but it's just, again, reassuring to know that it's in great hands. Yeah, yeah. And for anyone worrying that this is a Disney show and it's going to be real kitty and kid friendly and not serious and the hardcore fans aren't going to like it they did say you know this is a war going on there's consequences people will get killed so um you know maybe it'll still be sort of similar to the to the uh to the tone of clone wars um they also mentioned that there will also be bounty hunters um and that there could be new ones we could also possibly see you know boba fett or somebody else i'm i'm sure we'll see boba fett at some point yeah (laughs) especially because you know this isn't just picking up right after clone wars where he's still a kid like if this is 14 years after revenge of the sith he's like in his mid-20s at this point you know he's starting to probably make a name for himself as like a serious bounty hunter and closer to uh you know empire strikes back boba fett that we all know and love so hopefully we'll get to see him do some cool stuff in that yeah, and also uh, Pablo Hidalgo said too that speaking on the whole tone of the series that um, there's during the fourth episode it's gonna the series is gonna take a dark turn. So the first three episodes might gonna be I guess maybe a li- little light in tone than what the rest of the remaining episodes are gonna be. But you already mentioned during the fourth episode it's gonna take a drastic uh, dark turn in the tone. So like you said, people worrying about it being maybe too kiddy or people like to use the word Disney fied. <laughs> And then not being like how the Clone Wars was, I don't think that's going to be a worry because, like you said, there is going to be death, it's a war, and that it's going to have its dark moments also. So that was another thing that was pretty good and reassuring to hear. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this maybe in our last episode or if not, then in in another uh, recent episode. But it's like even if this show is – like even if the rumors are true that this show is going to be about a bunch of teenagers, I think – just from what we've seen in this panel about, you know, the Empire and their presence in the show, that even if we have to see it through the viewpoint of a bunch of kids, we're still going to get a, just a really cool look at this, the Star Wars galaxy. And, you know, these are still going to be Star Wars stories, and it's still going to be the Star Wars universe as we know it and love it. So I'm sure the show's in good hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This panel was just more evidence of that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after the panel, uh, there was an interview with Dave Filoni that came out on uh, the L.A. Times Hero Complex website, um, which is like the sort of the pop culture uh, section of the L.A. Times website. And we've got this link on our Twitter page, but they did an interview with Dave Filoni. And uh, in this interview, they revealed an exclusive piece of concept art, which is probably my favorite piece of concept art for Rebels revealed so far. Um, although I do also like the first concept image that uh, – I think it was the first concept image they released with the ghost and sort of a couple TIE fighters flying by it shooting lasers and they're like over a planet and that looked like a pretty cool image. But in this image, they've got like just four Star Destroyers. They've got some of these smaller Imperial cruisers that we were talking about and then they've got like a few TIE fighter squadrons flying by and it's just – it looks so Star Wars. I mean, I've got it up on my computer yeah. right now, and sort of if you lean back at if you lean back and don't look too close at it, it looks like it could be a screenshot out of you know The Empire Strikes Back, or maybe out of um, may, you know maybe out of Return of the Jedi when you've got like the fleet mask behind the behind the Death Star, or that scene in The Empire Strikes Back, before, like sort of before the Battle of Hoth when you see the Super Star Destroyer for the first time. Uh, where that whole Imperial fleet is massed. I mean, it's just, 
you look at it and it's like, wow, that's Star Wars. That's the Empire. That's like it. It looks so cool, and I'm I'm really excited for it. But in this um, in this interview with Dave Filoni, I mean, he kind of recaps a lot of the stuff they talked about in the panel and revealed a few new uh, bits of information. Sort of the most uh, the most important one I thought of, or the one that kind of struck me the most was he said that uh, there's a big difference, or there, there are a few differences between Clone Wars and Rebels, and one of the biggest ones is that rather than sort of the big, broad storytelling that they used in the Clone Wars, where maybe one week you'd have an episode about Anakin and Obi-Wan, and the next week you'd have an episode of, about just the clones, and the next week you'd have an episode about just Yoda, and then the next week you'd have a three-episode story arc with Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, and you had all these different stories on all these different planets and it didn't really follow a continuous timeline. Whereas uh, he said with rebels, one of the big differences um, is that each episode is its own unique story, but uh, they're sort of following. He said it's the decision to stick with one story and one main group of characters and sort of like how the original trilogy mostly just followed Han and Luke and Leia um, even though, you know, you would see some other stuff going on with like what the Imperials were up to and all that sort of thing, but it really will more sort of follow the journey of just this one group of heroes. But he does say each episode is its own unique story while still fitting into a much larger picture of what's going on in the Star Wars universe. So that'll be sort of an, an interesting and refreshing approach from Clone Wars that maybe we'll get to see more of a larger overarching story arc on the show. Um, even if it is, you know, obviously it'll still probably be standalone week to week stories. Like, you know, that's what it sounds like from what he's saying, but, um, you know, maybe get like some longer story arcs that unfold over the course of a season, or we'll, you know, maybe get to see some more character progression with just these characters since it'll be mainly focused on them. We don't know who they are yet, but it'll be, you know, the crew of this ghost starship, and uh, that that should be pretty exciting and uh, interesting to see just a different approach to the storytelling there. Yeah, I think that's where Greg Wiseman's really going to come into play in this because he was the master of that with, with the shows like Young Justice and Gargoyles back in the 90s. I mean, I think Gargoyles was really the first show I really got into that had an overarching story for each season, but it had its own self-contained episodes throughout that season. I think, like you said, it's going to be a welcome change for how Clone Wars was where we got uh, specific arcs and no way am I complaining that I didn't like the arcs because when you watch a specific arc all together, four episodes together, it's just like watching a movie and it's awesome. But I think it's also going to be great to have the Rebels be in kind of their typical, I guess, television series format where there's going to be an overarching story throughout the whole season, but yet each episode will have its own self-contained story with its core group of characters. So yeah, it's, Again, I'm using this word a lot, but I just can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. I mean, that's all I keep saying. But everything I'm hearing about Rebel just sounds so good, and it's, I just can't wait for it. But the other thing I took from this interview, which might not be a surprise, but again, Dave's just kind of reaffirming. It was also asked at the panel, too, to Pablo Hidalgo about will we see any uh, Clone Wars characters or will we be seeing any continuation of storylines from Clone Wars into Rebels? And Dave kind of gives the answer that we're expecting that Rebels is going to be its own thing, its own distinct uh, characters and relationships and all that. But he did say that uh, his actual quote was, that's not to say characters from other Star Wars media couldn't make an appearance in the series. And then when Pablo Hidalgo was asked that, he was pretty much saying, I really can't answer that if we'll see Ahsoka or a Clone Wars characters. So they're still playing coy on it, and I still have the feeling we're going to see some of those characters in Rebels eventually. Maybe not as a main character, but maybe in a season's arc or 
just a few episodes here and there. But again, they're playing coy on it. But again, I can definitely understand why this is a brand new era that they're tapping into new characters, new stories. So they probably want to get this whole story and also their this new era that they're dealing with, get it all set up first, have have it create its own distinct feeling characters that you get to know and love like we did with Clone Wars. And then once everything's established, then they can bring in the characters we're familiar with and it'll just make things even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, with it sort of following this weekly format where it's sticking with the same characters, it'll be interesting to see how to sort of how they incorporate those other characters and other stories and things like that too, because obviously it doesn't sound like we'll be getting an episode all about Boba Fett or all about Ahsoka or all about this, you know, mm-hmm. totally separate group of Jedi that's on the run from Vader or something like that, or, you know, a star killer episode or something. But it seems like we'll really be sort of seeing the star Wars galaxy through the eyes of these new characters. And so as they're traveling the galaxy and it, they did say that the planet Lothal that they're from will be sort of a main location in the show. So maybe they'll stay there for the first few episodes or maybe they'll keep coming back there over the course of the show, but they do have a ship and I'd imagine they're going to, you know, go different places around the galaxy and see different planets and meet new people. And so hopefully through following those characters, we'll see them run into the likes of Boba Fett and Darth Vader and Ahsoka and Starkiller and all these other characters that we want to see get involved in the show at some point. Yeah, because that's a good point, too, where they mentioned Lothal is in the Outer Rim, and maybe these characters, they never been out of the Outer Rim. So this is going to be a whole new experience where the stuff we're familiar with certain planets they're going to be experiencing for the first time that's going to be something new to see where like characters in the star wars universe experiencing like stuff we're familiar with but they're going through it for the first time and going back to the ghost though another point that pablo hidalgo mentioned was that um someone asked in the audience if the ghost is the final name or if it'll have more to the name kind of like how uh, the millennium falcon is just referred referred to as the falcon they're going to if there's going to be another name attached to the ghost but Pablo Hidalgo said, no, it's just going to be the ghost, but it's called the ghost for a very specific reason, and that's all he'll say about it. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it means that maybe it's going to have a unique cloaking device where it's, you can't really see it or detect it on radar or if it's going to be something else. But we'll find out why it's called the ghost eventually. Yeah, my two theories on that are one, that it could have cloaking and have a cloaking device, which doesn't seem super likely because they did specifically mention in the Star Wars films, like when the Millennium Falcon disappears, he says, no ship that small has a cloaking device. Yeah. Um, although, you know, maybe the ghost could be some kind of advanced prototype or something, but it certainly doesn't look like a stealth ship. It looks like a bulky old freighter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But my other theory was that maybe these characters who decide to rebel against the Empire and sort of go off on their own, maybe in the first episode or maybe in this episode that he said was going to take a dark turn, maybe, you know, one of their friends or parents or something gets killed by the Empire and then they sort of dedicate the ship to that person's memory and they call it the ghost because it's like, okay, now, you know, because of what the empire did to this person or because of their sacrifice or whatever, we're going to go strike back at the empire and it's going to be like the ghost of that person coming back to haunt them or something like that. So maybe that has something to do with it. That was, uh, that was my other thought that maybe it's like they, they want it to sort of symbolize the ghost of a person that wants to get revenge on the empire. But um, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, or maybe it's a ship that kind of goes on the offensive and takes out some Imperial fighters, but yet 
they don't know what did it or what happened to it, and then this starts getting referred to as a ghost ship, and as the name sticks, where they don't know exactly what it is, but it's taking out Imperial forces or something. Yeah, or maybe the early on the ship gets crippled or destroyed by the Empire, and then they fix it up and bring it back, so it's like it came back from the dead. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I don't know. Lots of possibilities. Or, or there, is it but... Force Ghost related? Mm. <laughs> Obi Wan flying the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, there's you know a lot of different ways you could speculate on that, but just yeah, the fact that he said it's a very specific reason why it's given that name just made me go, huh? Well, that could be an interesting point that I now want to know more about. So, just one more thing to get me looking forward to the show. Yep, <laughs> one of many. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess we can just wrap this up. I mean, we you know talked a whole lot about the show and you know a ton of details that uh, that they revealed at the panel, and I don't think we even quite covered a hundred percent of it. So uh, you guys can uh, check out you know our Facebook and Twitter, and we've got links to different pages and you know these interviews and articles and stuff that we've been talking about that you can go and uh, find all the details. There's also a lot of uh, you know pictures and images of concept art and stuff out there. And there's also a video on StarWars.com of Dave Filoni talking about Rebels, and uh, it's where he revealed for the first time the Inquisitor. They showed this video at the Comic-Con panel, so it was Dave Filoni himself who introduced the Inquisitor for the first time. So you can go check that video out if you haven't seen it yet. But, uh, Tim, just before we wrap up, any uh, any last thoughts on Rebels You know, after this panel and after hearing all this new info, maybe any new thoughts on it or uh, you know, the sort of things that came to mind? Yeah, I mean... I was excited for Rebels when it was first announced, but after this panel, I just got more excited. I mean, after the whole day yesterday, even still now, all I kept thinking about was Rebels and just how I can't wait for it and how awesome it looks and just how awesome 2014 is going to be. I mean, 2015 is kind of the big year. A lot of Star Wars fans are waiting for it for an actual new movie, but 2014 is going to be just as awesome with the remaining Clone Wars bonus content episodes and then Rebels. It's just going to be awesome. There's no better time to be a Star Wars fan than right now. I mean, we just have to get through these remaining few months of 2013, but then after that, I mean, (laughs) there's no looking back. It's going to be awesome. Star Wars pretty much here on out started with the Clone Wars bonus content, Rebels, uh, the new movies, and just so much other stuff, games. I mean... (laughs) I've said it all throughout this podcast. I'm just so excited right now. I just can't wait for all this stuff to happen. So, yeah, my excitement's through the roof right now. Yeah, yeah. My my excitement definitely was building after, you know, reading all this stuff and looking at all this new images and concept art and stuff like that. I mean, it's it sounds like it's really going to be a good show. And especially they keep reiterating the, the talent behind this show, how Dave Filoni yeah. has a lot of his animation crew from Clone Wars – and that they've got, you know, Dave Filoni and uh, Simon Kinberg and Greg Wiseman doing, you know, the writing and executive producing and just sort of coming up with the ideas for the show and how the people working on it love Star Wars and they know Star Wars and they know how to make good animated shows. And um, yeah, it just it seems like it's going to be great. And I'm still kind of waiting to maybe see some footage or something to see, like, how it's really going to look or kind of get a feel for what the tone of it's going to be. But I'm definitely excited for it based on what we've seen so far. And um, I think one of the things I'm most looking forward to with Rebels, it's it's one of those things where I maybe like, like I feel excited for it, but I think even more, like, like I feel like there's more excitement to come. I, I sort of just, it, it's weird. It's hard to explain, but the more I think about it, I'm like, I might not be super excited for it right now, but I'm going to be when it comes out because I think it's going to sort of, 
tap into a, a love of like original trilogy Star Wars that I maybe don't even know I have because <laughs> because I grew up on the original trilogy. You know, I first started watching those movies when I was like four or five or something. And then, of course, you know, when I was still like the Phantom Menace came out while I was eight. And so Star Wars has always been a part of my childhood, but I'm not really part of that older group of Star Wars fans that grew up just on the original trilogy and has like a really special appreciation just for that era. I mean, I, I love the original trilogy. They're great films and I can certainly appreciate their significance. And, you know, as a Star Wars fan, I love those movies, but I also love the Clone Wars and the Old Republic and all these different areas of Star Wars and the prequels and the expanded universe and all that kind of stuff. And just seeing this stuff and, you know, even hearing how excited people got about like the Kenner troop transport being in it. I'm like, well, I never had that as a kid. Yeah. It was like 20 years before I was born, but, um, or maybe not quite 20 years, but yeah, you know, it, it was before my time, but, uh, just seeing, you know, this concept art of TIE fighters and star destroyers and stuff. And it's like, yeah, when I think about it, sometimes that stuff kind of seems you know, old and, you know, I get more excited about arc one seventies and Jedi starfighters and stuff. But I think once I see that stuff on the screen again, and just, you know, hear a TIE fighter flying by or see Darth Vader or whatever, I'm going to feel like a kid again and f almost forget how much I missed that era of star Wars. And so I'm, I'm really excited for it. And yeah, once it comes out, it's, it's going to be great. And even just sort of the, the storytelling too, of just following like a group of heroes, it's going to be like following Han and Luke and Leia all over again. <laughs> you know, this sort of young group of heroes starting to rebel against the empire. It's, yeah. it's going to be cool. And uh, like I said, we still just don't have quite all the details yet. We haven't, you know, we don't know who the heroes are going to be and we don't know exactly what the ship, what, what the show is going to look like. I mean, we've seen a lot of the art and models and stuff like that, but we still haven't seen any footage of the show. But once that comes out, you know, and as we get closer and closer to the premiere, you know, my excitement's going to start going through the roof too. So uh, I know that's the thing I'm this excited for right now. We've seen no footage of it, <laughs> just a short teaser and some concept art, but just the details on it just is what getting me so excited. And when we actually see that first trailer or footage of it, man, <laughs> my mind's going to be blown. I know it. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I'm a visual person. So, I mean, hearing all these details about it and stuff gets me excited, but I know once I actually see it in action, that's just going to take it up a whole nother notch for me. So. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, 2014 with not only Rebels starting, but also getting the Clone Wars bonus content, which at this point I might be a little bit more excited about because one, it'll sort of help heal that wound of Clone Wars getting canceled. It's like, well, yeah. you know, at least we'll still get a few more episodes. And two, you know, Clone Wars already has a proven track record. Like I already love that show and I know sort of what it looks like and what to expect from it. So, um, you know, I, I can't wait for those episodes, but then also to to start all over again with Rebels and a new Star Wars series and uh, just new characters and new stories. It's going to be great. So next year is going to be awesome. And then hopefully the year after that with Episode 7 will be even more awesome. Yep. <laughs> and I'll close out my final thoughts with the word I've been saying all episode. I just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Anyways, uh, we've rambled on this for quite a long time, getting all hyped up for Rebels and all that kind of stuff. But uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, as always, if you have questions, comments, feedback for us, you can email us at kyle at clonewarspodcast.com or tim at clonewarspodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. 
And, uh, you know, we always love to hear from you guys, you know, when you uh, reply to our posts or, you know, just kind of getting discussions about Star Wars stuff. Uh, thanks to our Twitter follower, Leon355, who uh, mentioned us in a tweet and called us one of the galaxy's greatest podcasts. Yeah, uh, that's uh, nice of you. And, you know, if anybody else, if you like the show that much, let us know if you think we're one of the galaxy's worst podcasts. You can let us know that, too. We got thick skin. We can take it. Yeah. Uh, we just like uh, hearing back from our listeners and uh, getting you guys take on the show. Also, if you listen to us on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review on there. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, thank you again for tuning in and uh, stay tuned. We'll be back when we've got more news on episode seven and rebels and all that good stuff. Uh, it's been a good episode and it's a good time to be a star Wars fan. So we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you later, everyone. Uh-huh.